Environment Today is a podcast about the current state of our planet's environment and ways to contribute to the health and prosperity of our ecosystem. Content presented by Amy and James Sharp. I'm James Sharp. And I'm Amy Sharp. All information being discussed today is from the report, The Ocean and Cryosphere in a Changing Climate. This summary for policymakers was formally approved at the second joint session of working groups one and two of the IPCC and accepted by the 51st session of the IPCC, Principality of Monaco, 24th September, 2019. Environment Today's podcast will bring this and other current scientific reports on our environment to you every two weeks, putting these details into layman's terms as much as possible. You will receive a great deal more information than you would hear or read in short blurbs of daily news briefings. We want to bring you all the key facts in detail and then provide real-life solutions that you can implement after hearing the facts of each report. This summary for policymakers compiles key findings of the report and is structured in three parts. Part A, Observe Changes and Impacts, which was covered in our last podcast. Part B, Projected Changes and Risks, which we will discuss today. And the next podcast will cover Part C, Implementing Responses to Ocean and Cryosphere Change. The Importance of the Ocean and Cryosphere for People All people on Earth depend directly or indirectly on the ocean and cryosphere. The global ocean covers 71% of the Earth's surface and contains about 97% of the Earth's water. The cryosphere refers to frozen components of the Earth system. Around 10% of Earth's land area is covered by glaciers or ice sheets. The ocean and cryosphere support unique habitats and are interconnected with other components of the climate system through global exchange of water, energy, and carbon. The cryosphere is defined in this report as the components of the Earth system at and below the land and ocean surface that are frozen including snow cover, glaciers, ice sheets, ice shelves, icebergs, sea ice, lake ice, river ice, permafrost, and seasonally frozen ground. With this level of dependence by the people of Earth on the cryosphere, what are the coming projections and risks that we face in the future? Changes to the cryosphere include global-scale glacier mass loss, permafrost thaw, and decline in snow cover and Arctic sea ice are projected to continue in the near term 2031 through 2050 due to surface air temperature increases with unavoidable consequences for river runoff and local hazards. The Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets are projected to lose mass at an increasing rate throughout the 21st century and beyond. The rates and magnitudes of these cryospheric changes are projected to increase further in the second half of the 21st century in a high greenhouse gas emission scenario. Strong reductions in greenhouse gas emissions in the coming decades are projected to reduce further changes after 2050. 
Projected glacier mass reductions between 2015 and 2100, excluding the ice sheets, range from 18 to 36 percent, a likely range. That will correspond to a sea level contribution of approximately 94 millimeters or 3.7 inches for the RCP 2.6 scenario, all the way up to a possible 200 millimeters or 7.87 inches of sea level increase for the RCP 8.5 scenario. From the last episode, recall that RCP 2.6 represents a low greenhouse gas emission, high mitigation future, where drastic changes were made to reduce greenhouse gas concentrations. By contrast, RCP 8.5 is a high greenhouse gas emission scenario in the absence of policies to combat climate change, leading to continued and sustained growth in atmospheric greenhouse gas concentrations. This scenario corresponds to the pathway with the highest greenhouse gas emissions and least amount of mitigation or action taken. These two scenarios largely represent the assessed range for the topics covered in this report. They largely represent what is covered in the assessed literature, and they allow a consistent narrative about projected changes. Regions with mostly smaller glaciers for example, Central Europe, North Asia, Scandinavia, Tropical Andes, Mexico, Eastern Africa, and Indonesia, are projected to lose more than 80% of their current ice mass by 2100 under the RCP 8.5 scenario. And many glaciers are projected to disappear regardless of future emissions. In 2100, the Greenland Ice Sheet's projected contribution to global mean sea level rise is 0.07 meters or 2.75 inches under the RCP 2.6 scenario and 0.15 meters or 5.9 inches under the RCP 8.5 scenario. The Greenland Ice Sheet is currently contributing more to sea level rise than the Antarctic Ice Sheet but Antarctica could become a larger contributor by the end of the 21st century as a consequence of rapid retreat. Beyond 2100, increasing divergence between Greenland and Antarctica's relative contributions to global mean sea level rise under the RCP 8.5 scenario has important consequences for the pace of relative sea level rise in the Northern Hemisphere. The rate of global mean sea level rise is projected to reach 10 to 20 millimeters per year under RCP 8.5 in 2100 and to exceed several centimeters per year in the 22nd century. Under RCP 2.6 scenario, the rate is projected to reach 2 to 6 millimeters per year in 2100. Model studies indicate multimeter rise in sea level by 2300, indicating the importance of reduced emissions for limiting sea level rise. Processes controlling the timing of future ice shelf loss and the extent of ice sheet instabilities could increase Antarctica's contribution to sea level rise and end up being substantially higher than current projections for the century and longer timescales. 
Considering the consequences of sea level rise and collapse of parts of the Antarctic ice sheets, this high-impact risk merits attention. Arctic autumn and spring snow cover are projected to decrease by 5 to 10 percent relative to 1986 to 2005. In the near term, 2031 to 2050, followed by no further losses under the RCP 2.6 scenario. However, an additional 15 to 25 percent loss by the end of the century is projected under the RCP 8.5 scenario. In high mountain areas, projected decreases are likely 10 to 40 percent by 2031 to 2050, regardless of emission scenarios. For 2081 to 2100, this projected decrease is likely 10 to 40 percent for the RCP 2.6 scenario and 50 to 90 percent for the RCP 8.5 scenario. Widespread permafrost thaw is projected for this century and beyond. By 2100, projected near-surface permafrost area shows a decrease of 24% for RCP 2.6 scenario and 69% for RCP 8.5. The RCP 8.5 scenario leads to cumulative release of tens to hundreds of billions of tons of permafrost carbon as CO2 and methane to the atmosphere by 2100 with the potential to exacerbate climate change. Lower emission scenarios dampen the response of carbon emissions from the permafrost region. Methane contributes a small fraction of the total additional carbon release, but is significant because of its higher warming potential. Increased plant growth is projected to replenish soil carbon in part, but will not match carbon releases over the long term. In many high mountain areas, glacier retreat and permafrost thaw are projected to further decrease the stability of slopes and the number and area of glacier lakes will continue to increase. Floods due to glacier lake outbursts or rain on snow Landslides and snow avalanches are projected to occur also in new locations or different seasons. River runoff in snow-dominated or glacier-fed high mountain basins is projected to change regardless of emission scenario, with increases in average winter runoff and earlier spring peaks. In all emission scenarios, average annual and summer runoff from glaciers are projected to peak at or before the end of the 21st century. Arctic sea ice loss is projected to continue through mid-century, with differences thereafter depending on the magnitude of global warming. For stabilized global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius, the annual probability of a sea ice-free September by the end of century is approximately 1%. This projection rises 10 to 35% for stabilized global warming of 2 degrees Celsius. There is low confidence in projections for Antarctic sea ice based upon rapidly changing data inputs. We've just heard about the projections for the cryosphere, or frozen part of our world. 
What are the expected projections pertaining to the oceans? Over the 21st century, the ocean is projected to transition to unprecedented conditions with increased temperatures, greater upper ocean stratification, further acidification, oxygen decline, and altered net primary production, or the amount of carbon and energy that enters ecosystems. Marine heat waves and extreme El Nino and La Nina events are projected to become more frequent. The Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC, is projected to weaken. The rates and magnitudes of these changes will be smaller if we can work towards scenarios with lower greenhouse gas emissions. The ocean will continue to warm throughout the 21st century. By 2100, the top 2,000 meters or 6,561 feet of the ocean are projected to take up to two to four times more heat absorption in the RCP 2.6 scenario than all of the observed ocean heat uptake accumulated since 1970. This would be five to seven times more heat under the RCP 8.5 scenario. Water layering is intensifying significantly in about 40% of the world's oceans, which could have an impact on the marine food chain. This is called the annual mean density stratification. Upper ocean stratification is the presence of water layers of varying densities scattered between the ocean's surface and a depth of 200 meters, or 656 feet. Density describes how tightly water is packed within a given volume and is affected by water temperature, salinity, and depth. More dense water layers lie beneath less dense ones. Ocean water density plays a vital role in ocean currents, heat circulation, and in bringing vital nutrients to the surface from deeper waters. The more significant the stratification in the upper ocean, the larger the barrier between the relatively warm, nutrient-depleted surface and the relatively cool, nutrient-rich, deeper waters. More intense stratification could mean that microscopic photosynthetic organisms called phytoplankton that live near the ocean surface won't get the nutrients they need to survive, affecting the rest of the marine food chain. This annual mean density stratification of the top 200 meters, or 656 feet, is projected to increase by 1 to 9 percent for RCP 2.6 scenario and 12 to 30 percent for RCP 8.5 from 2081 to 2100 relative to the 1986 to 2005, inhibiting vertical nutrient flow as well as carbon and oxygen fluxes needed for the marine food chain. By 2081 to 2100, under RCP 8.5, there are projected declines of 3 to 4% of ocean oxygen content and 9 to 14% declines of upper ocean nitrate content. Under RCP 2.6 scenario, Globally projected changes are smaller compared to RCP 8.5 for oxygen loss and nutrient availability. 
continued carbon uptake by the ocean by 2100 is virtually certain to exacerbate ocean acidification. Open ocean surface pH is projected to decrease by about 0.3 pH units by 2081 to 2100 relative to 2006 to 2015 under RCP 8.5. For RCP 8.5, there are elevated risks for keystone aragonite shell-forming species due to crossing an aragonite stability threshold year-round in the polar and subpolar oceans by 2081 to 2100. If we can reach the RCP 2.6 scenario, these conditions will be avoided this century, but some eastern boundary upwelling systems are projected to remain vulnerable. Climate conditions unprecedented since the pre-industrial period are developing in the ocean, elevating risks for open ocean ecosystems. Surface acidification and warming have already emerged in the historical period up to this point. Oxygen loss between 100 and 600 meters or 328 to 1968 feet depth is projected to emerge within 59 to 80% of the ocean area by 2031 to 2050 under RCP 8.5 scenario. The projected time of emergence for five primary drivers of marine ecosystem change are all prior to 2100 for over 30% of the ocean area under RCP 2.6 and over 60% under RCP 8.5 scenario. These primary drivers of marine ecosystem change are surface warming and acidification, oxygen loss, nitrate content, and net primary production changes, which is the amount of carbon and energy that enters our ecosystem. Marine heat waves are projected to further increase in frequency, duration, and intensity of maximum temperature. Climate models project increases in the frequency of marine heat waves by 2081 to 2100 relative to 1850 to 1900 by approximately 20 times under RCP 2.6 scenario and increase in frequency of 50 times under RCP 8.5 scenario. The largest increases in frequency are projected for the Arctic and the tropical oceans. This is why the Arctic ice melting projections remains difficult to project, as we heard earlier, because of these extreme increases in heat waves. Extreme El Nino and La Nina events are projected to likely increase in frequency in the 21st century and to likely intensify existing hazards with drier or wetter responses in several regions across the globe. Extreme El Nino events are projected to occur about twice as often under both RCP 2.6 and RCP 8.5 scenarios in the 21st century when compared to the 20th century. Projections indicate that extreme Indian Ocean dipole events also increase in frequency. The Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC, is projected to weaken in the 21st century under all scenarios, although a collapse is very unlikely. 
However, based on projections by 2300, an AMOC collapse is as likely as not for high emission scenarios and very unlikely for lower ones. Any substantial weakening of the AMOC is projected to cause a decrease in marine productivity in the North Atlantic, more storms in Northern Europe, less summer rainfall in the Sahara and South Asian, and reduced number of tropical cyclones in the Atlantic, and an increase in regional sea level along the northeast coast of North America. Such changes would be in addition to the global warming signal. Sea level continues to rise at an increasing rate. Extreme sea level events that are historically rare, once per century in the recent past, are projected to occur frequently, now at least once per year at many locations by 2050 in all scenarios, especially in tropical regions. Many low-lying megacities and small islands are projected to experience historical centennial events at least annually. The increasing frequency of high water levels can have severe impacts in many locations depending on exposure. Sea level rise is projected to continue beyond 2,100 in all scenarios. For a high emission scenario such as RCP 8.5, projections of global sea level rise by 2,100 are greater than in reported in the IPCC Annual Report 5 due to a larger contribution from the Antarctic ice sheet. In coming centuries under RCP 8.5 scenario, sea level rise is projected to exceed rates of several centimeters per year, resulting in a multimeter or multi-foot rise, while for RCP 2.6 sea level rise is projected to be limited to around one meter or three feet by 2300. Extreme sea levels and coastal hazards will be exacerbated by projected increases in tropical cyclone or hurricane intensity and precipitation. Significant wave heights, which is the average height from trough to crest of the highest one-third of waves, are projected to increase. The average intensity of tropical cyclones or hurricanes, the proportion of Category 4 and 5 average precipitation rates, are projected to increase for a 2 degrees Celsius global temperature rise. Rising mean sea levels will contribute to higher extreme sea levels associated with tropical cyclones and hurricanes. This is expected to increase in the average intensity and magnitude of storm surge and precipitation rates of tropical cyclones and hurricanes. Now that we've heard about the projected changes to our oceans, let's hear about risks to our overall ecosystem. Future land cryosphere changes will continue to alter terrestrial and freshwater ecosystems in high mountain and polar regions, with major shifts in species distributions resulting in changes in ecosystem structure and functioning, and eventual loss of global unique biodiversity. Wildfire is projected to increase significantly for the rest of this century across most tundra and boreal forests, and also in some mountain regions, 
while interactions between climate and shifting vegetation will influence future fire intensity and frequency. In high mountain regions, further upslope migration by lower elevation species, range contractions, and increased mortality will lead to population declines of many alpine species, especially glacier or snow-dependent species with local and eventual global species loss. The persistence of alpine species and sustaining ecosystem services depends on appropriate conservation and adaptation measures. On Arctic land, a loss of globally unique biodiversity is projected as limited refuge exists for some high Arctic species, and hence they are outcompeted by more temperate species. Woody shrubs and trees are projected to expand to cover 24 to 52% of Arctic tundra by 2050. The boreal forest is projected to expand at its northern edge while diminishing at its southern edge, where it is replaced by lower biomass woodland shrublands. Permafrost thaw and decrease in snow will affect Arctic and mountain hydrology and wildfire, with impacts on vegetation and wildlife. About 20% of Arctic land permafrost is vulnerable to abrupt permafrost thaw and ground sinking and settling which is projected to increase small lake areas by over 50% by 2100 for the RCP 8.5 scenario. Even as the overall regional water cycle is projected to intensify, including increased precipitation, evapotranspiration, and river discharge to the Arctic Ocean, decreases in snow and permafrost may lead to soil drying, with consequences for ecosystem productivity and disturbances. A decrease in global biomass of marine animal communities, their production and fisheries catch potential, and a shift in species composition are projected over the 21st century in ocean ecosystems from the surface to the deep seafloor under all emission scenarios. The global scale biomass of marine animals across the food web is projected to decrease by 15% and the maximum catch potential of fisheries by 20 to 24% by the end of the 21st century relative to 1986 to 2005 under RCP 8.5 scenario. These changes are projected to be very likely three to four times larger under RCP 8.5 scenario than RCP 2.6 scenario. Warming, ocean acidification, reduced seasonal sea ice extent, and continued loss of multi-year sea ice are projected to impact polar marine ecosystems through direct and indirect effects on habitats, populations, and their viability. The geographical range of Arctic marine species, including marine mammals, birds, and fish, is projected to contract while the range of some subarctic fish communities is projected to expand, further increasing pressure on high Arctic species. In the Southern Ocean, the habitat of Antarctic krill, a key prey species for penguins, seals, and whales, is projected to contract southwards under both RCP 2.6 and RCP 8.5 scenarios. 
ocean warming, oxygen loss, acidification, and a decrease in flux of organic carbon from the surface to the deep ocean are projected to harm habitat-forming cold water corals, which support high biodiversity, partly through decreased calcification, increased dissolution of skeletons, and bioerosion. Vulnerability and risks are highest where and when temperature and oxygen conditions both reach values outside this species' tolerance ranges. Risks of severe impacts on biodiversity, structure, and function of coastal ecosystems are projected to be higher for elevated temperatures under high compared to low emission scenarios in the 21st century and beyond. Projected ecosystem responses include loss of species habitat and diversity, and degradation of ecosystem functions. The capacity of organisms and ecosystems to adjust and adapt is higher at low emission scenarios. For sensitive ecosystems such as seagrass meadows and kelp forests, high risks are projected if global warming exceeds two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial temperatures, combined with other climate-related hazards. Warm water corals are at high risk already and are projected to transition to very high risk even if global warming is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius. All coastal ecosystems assessed are projected to face increasing risk levels from moderate to high risk under RCP 2.6 to high to very high risk under RCP 8.5 scenario by 2100. Intertidal rocky shore ecosystems are projected to be at very high risk by 2100 under RCP 8.5 due to exposure to warming, especially during marine heat waves, as well as to acidification, sea level rise, loss of calcifying species, and biodiversity. Ocean acidification challenges these ecosystems and further limits their habitat. The decline of kelp forests is projected to continue in temperature regions due to warming, particularly under the projected intensification of marine heat waves, with high risk of local extinctions under RCP 8.5 scenario. Seagrass meadows and salt marshes and associated carbon stores are at moderate risk at 1.5 degrees Celsius global warming and increase with further warming. Globally, 20 to 90% of current coastal wetlands are projected to be lost by 2100. Ocean warming, sea level rise, and tidal changes are projected to expand salinization and hypoxia in estuaries with high risks for some animal and plant life, leading to migration, reduced survival, and local extinction under high emission scenarios. These impacts are projected to be more pronounced in vulnerable lakes and shallow estuaries with low tidal range in temperate and high-latitude regions. Almost all warm-water coral reefs are projected to suffer significant losses of area and local extinction, even if global warming is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius. How will these projected changes in the cryosphere and oceans affect humanity in the future? 
future cryosphere changes on land are projected to affect water resources and their uses, such as hydropower and irrigated agriculture in and downstream of high mountain areas, as well as livelihoods in the Arctic. Changes in floods, avalanches, landslides, and ground destabilization are projected to increase risk for infrastructure, cultural activities, tourism, and recreation. Disaster risks to human settlements and livelihood options in high mountain areas and the Arctic are expected to increase due to future changes and hazards, such as floods, fires, landslides, avalanches, unreliable ice and snow conditions, and increased exposure to people and infrastructure. Current engineered risk reduction approaches are projected to be less effective as hazards change in character. If humans work towards significant risk reduction and adaptation strategies, this would help avoid increased impacts from mountain flood and landslide hazards as exposure and vulnerability are increasing in many mountain regions during this century. Permafrost thaw-induced caving and sinking of land services is projected to impact overlying urban and rural communication and transportation infrastructure in the Arctic and in high mountain areas. The majority of Arctic infrastructure is located in regions where permafrost thaw is projected to intensify by mid-century. Retrofitting and redesigning infrastructure has the potential to reduce the costs arising from permafrost thaw and related climate change impacts by 2100. High mountain tourism, recreation, and cultural assets are projected to be negatively affected by future cryospheric changes. Current snowmaking technologies are projected to be less effective in reducing risks to ski tourism in a warmer climate in most parts of Europe, North America, and Japan, in particular at a 2 degrees Celsius global warming and beyond. Future shifts in fish distribution and decreases in their abundance and fisheries catch potential due to climate change are projected to affect income, livelihoods, and food security of marine resource-dependent communities. Long-term loss and degradation of marine ecosystems compromises the ocean's role in cultural, recreational, and intrinsic values important for human identity and well-being. The projected redistribution of resources and abundance increases the risk of conflicts amongst fisheries, authorities, or communities. Challenges to fisheries governance are widespread under RCP 8.5 scenario with regional hotspots such as the Arctic and tropical Pacific Ocean. The decline in warm water coral reefs is projected to greatly compromise the services they provide to society such as food provision, coastal protection, and tourism. Increases in the risks for seafood security associated with decreases in seafood availability are projected to elevate the risk to nutritional health in some communities highly dependent on seafood, such as those in the Arctic, West Africa, and small island developing states. Such impacts compound any risks from other shifts in diets and food systems caused by social and economic changes. 
global warming compromises seafood safety through human exposure to elevated bioaccumulation of persistent organic pollutants and mercury in marine plants and animals, increasing prevalence of waterborne pathogens, and heightened likelihood of harmful algal blooms. These risks are projected to be particularly large for human communities with high consumption of seafood, including coastal indigenous communities and for economic sectors such as fisheries, aquaculture, and tourism. Climate change impacts on marine ecosystems and their services put key cultural dimensions of lives and livelihoods at risk, including diminished access to fishing or hunting areas. This includes potentially rapid and irreversible loss of culture and local knowledge, indigenous knowledge, and negative impacts on traditional diets and food security, aesthetic aspects, and marine recreational activities. Increased mean and extreme sea level, alongside ocean warming and acidification, are projected to exacerbate risks for human communities in low-lying coastal areas. In Arctic human communities without rapid land uplift, risks are projected to be moderate to high, even under low emission scenarios. Under high emission scenarios, delta regions and resource-rich coastal cities are projected to experience moderate to high risk levels after 2050. In the absence of more ambitious adaptation efforts compared to today, and under current trends of increasing exposure and vulnerability of coastal communities, risks such as erosion and land loss, flooding, salinization, and cascading impacts due to mean sea level rise and extreme events are projected to significantly increase throughout this century under all greenhouse gas emission scenarios. Under the same assumptions, annual coastal flood damages are projected to increase by two to three orders of magnitude by 2100 compared to today. High to very high risks are approached for vulnerable communities in coral reef environments. Urban islands and low-lying Arctic locations from sea level rise well before the end of this century in case of high emission scenarios. This entails adaptation limits being reached, which are the points at which an actor's objectives cannot be secured from intolerable risks through adaptive actions. Reaching adaptation limits, for example, biophysical, geographical, financial, technical, social, political, and institutional, depends on the emission scenario and context-specific risk tolerance and is projected to expand to more areas beyond 2100 due to the long-term commitment of sea level rise. Some island nations are likely to become uninhabitable due to climate-related ocean and cryospheric change, but habitability thresholds remain extremely difficult to assess. Globally, a slower rate of climate-related ocean and cryosphere change provides greater adaptation opportunities. While there is high confidence that ambitious adaptation, including governance for transformative change, has the potential to reduce risks in many locations, 
Such benefits can vary between locations. At global scale, coastal protection can reduce flood risk by two to three orders of magnitude during the 21st century, but depends on investments on the order of tens to several hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars per year. While such investments are generally cost-efficient for densely populated urban areas, rural and poorer areas may be challenged to afford such investments, with relative annual costs for some small island states amounting to several percent of GDP. Even with major adaptation efforts, residual risks and associated losses are projected to occur. But context-specific limits to adaptation and residual risks remains difficult to assess. How can I do my part to help reduce global warming? This episode is being recorded on Earth Day 2020 during the first pandemic that most of us have ever experienced. We're seeing unprecedented changes that have come from a global lockdown of society. Airplanes cannot fly. Cruises are at a standstill. Ships are not sailing. Cars are not driving. Manufacturing is reduced, and many of the pollutants to our daily world are simply not happening. As a result, we have seen a dynamic and swift change in our world's ecosystem. Streams are running clearer, skies are less polluted, carbon emissions have reduced greatly around the world. Many animals are returning to habitats that they have been pushed out of. Things have gotten better in a very short period of time. This tells us we have a chance. We can make a difference for our Earth's health just by doing less of the things that have caused the pollution and damage to our ecosystem. This can and will make a dramatic difference. When the lockdown is lifted, think about what you can do to not return to life as it was with consumption at an all-time high and doing the activities that create harm to our beloved planet. Be conscious of your part in our global community as we have seen, we can all make a vast improvement for our world. I hope you will join me in two weeks for our next podcast that will cover part C of this special report, Implementing Responses to Ocean and Cryosphere Change. It will be the last segment of a three-part series on this IPCC report that educates us on our oceans and cryosphere. Please join us then to learn more about the environment today. <laughs>